0: The Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, Editor of Lloyd's List. On the face of it, the directional decisions of any shipping company are easy. The transition to a zero-carbon future is an inevitability. Transparency is a given. Efficiency is a good thing to invest in and steps towards integrating oneself into a fully digitalized supply chain will only be met by appreciative murmurs and profitable opportunities from one's customers. If only it were that simple. No doubt, the shipping industry is on the brink of an epoch shift, but the answer to the question of how you decarbonise an industry built on carbon is simple, slowly and at great cost. The devil, as ever, is to be found in the detail. For those taking the decisions, there are no easy answers. No silver bullets, only hard, pragmatic questions and least worst options. So this week on the podcast, I want to delve into the choices that are available for ship owners. Not just the 30-year strategy, in many ways, that's the easy bit. I want to know more about the tough choices that owners are having to take now, with limited information, limited options, and only a directional target to aim for. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by the Chief Executive of Berger Bulk, James Marshall. Now, I characterise Berger as being a member of the Coalition of the Willing when it comes to sustainability. They were an early member of the Get to Zero Coalition. They've been addressing environmental issues from emissions to waste and green recycling as part of their strategic investment plan for some time. In many respects, they're up there in the advance guard of those wanting to make decisions rather than waiting at the back of the queue with the regulatory laggards who aim to follow the leaders at the last possible opportunity. Frankly, that doesn't mean much when, realistically, all you can do is pay through the nose for flexibility. There are no zero carbon options available today. So how does he counter the charge that this positioning at the top is little more than greenwash right now? And what does he do as a CEO wanting to make the right calls when the best you can realistically hope for is the least worst option?
1: Yeah, look, I think the first thing to say is that, you know, very real progress has been made over the last 10 years. So when we look back at our um, efficiency since 2008, when we started the business, um, we're now um, recording that, uh, you know, our efficiency has improved by, by over 40% uh, versus 2008. So, you know, that's a very real achievement. Uh, and I would say that's, you know, we, we've actually matched. Um, the IMO target of 40% by 2030, today by 2020. So, you know, real achievements have been made, and and those uh, have been done by by building, um, you know, bigger and better ships. A lot of retrofit, in our case, uh, a lot of work on our existing uh, existing ships and technology, and and also improving uh, sort of efficiency through operations in particular uh, dramatically. So, you know, there are many changes have have happened, but obviously. You know, a target of zero emissions by um, a zero emission ship by 2030 is is a you know is a is a tough ask. Um, What we what we've done as given given that we've made improvements so far, um, we've set ourselves a target of actually being uh, zero carbon um, or or, or net net carbon zero by by 2025. Uh, And the way we're going to do that is is by continuing to invest uh, in some new technology. uh, and to continue to you know improve our existing uh, our existing ships uh, and then the final piece of that is in our case uh, and this is not for everyone but we're we're offsetting our final uh emissions uh, by buying carb- carbon offsets so so by 2025 at the latest and i think we'll achieve this earlier that will be you know be carbon uh, carbon zero uh, or net carbon zero um
0: which is interesting because the the offsetting question is, as you say, it's not for everybody. It is a complex process, probably one that I would say the majority of what is still a fairly fragmented industry are probably not set up for. You have sufficient scale and ambition, I think, you know, to to start delving into that. But how have you found the offsetting process? Uh, you know, are you, I, I take it you are doing some of that now. How do you scale that process?
1: Well, I think there's quite a lot of uh, of options. We we are we are offsetting now, and and you know it's becoming increasingly uh, sort of viable and and um, uh, increasingly available to to do. Um, obviously, uh, other industries are, are heavily involved in it now, um, and we've had uh, admittedly impacted by. By COVID, but the airline industry is, is, you know, is going ahead with uh, with their Corsair uh, offsetting voluntary offsetting program. So, you know, I think it's I think it's happening, Um, but you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that we need to reduce our physical emissions. Um, And you know, going back to the original question, you know, we need to uh, reduce emissions from existing ships, but you know, ultimately, we need uh, we need zero fuels going forward, and a and new technology. And, and um, you know, there's a there are a lot of options out there. Um, uh, uh, some are gaining a bit more traction than others. But um, you know, we need to we need to continue to invest and 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 look at those options. And and we as you know as an individual ship owner are also trying to do our our part, not only in the sort of um, the more obvious fuels, which are along with, you know, LNG, ammonia and hydrogen options. But we're also looking at, um, at alternatives. So um, we, we're pretty keen on on actually renewable energy. So this is sort of helping um, reduce our, our emissions through um, things such as solar, um, wind, uh, kites. Um, and, uh, you know, this, this can also help reduce our CO2 input. Um, and actually, we've also been looking at um, at even a nuclear uh, a nuclear option, um, which uh, using molten salt reactors, uh, which I think has some uh, maybe longer term you know viability as well um, as a uh, as a safe, safe much safer version than the existing uh, nuclear option. So you know there's new technology there, but um, you know pretty pretty exciting potential, um, and I think we can move this forward you know quicker than. Um, that maybe you know people think
0: that's going to be the first time I've heard nuclear brought up as an option since uh, Fukushima. It, it was on the table as a, a, a fairly widespread and accepted option, I think, within shipping. For, for fairly obvious publicity reasons, it, it did disappear down the agenda. You, do you genuinely see that coming back as one of the uh, one of the options within shipping?
1: Look, I think um, there are two options with it. One is either a a safe form of making um, new fuels. So the amount of energy to create uh, ammonia or hydrogen is, is massive, and and so uh, smaller, safer uh, nuclear uh, reactors. These are molten salt reactors. So you know, very different from our existing uh, nuclear power industry. So uh, if that technology sort of, um, you know, moves ahead. And there's, there's, you know, there's some pretty serious investment going on to it now. Uh, If that could move ahead, that could either make renewable, uh, uh, sort of renewable fuels, in in other words, synthetic um, uh, LNG or ammonia, um, and hydrogen, which, you know, which could then be, be transported, or it's possible that these smaller reactors could potentially be put on on ships in the longer term. There's obviously a huge public perception around that, and and that may take <laughs> may take a lot longer. Um, but in a, you know in a world where we have um, climate uh, stress, global warming, um, you know, which will happen if, if there are not a lot of uh, a lot of changes, you know, to occur. So by 2050. Um, you know the world will have global warming be much more stressed so if we have alternatives which may not seem palatable today but are proven safe um, you know I think there could be a, a could, there could be options.
0: Just going back to the the, the more immediate transitional issue LNG obviously has been um, discussed widely within the industry as a, as a transitional option Um what do, you, what do you think about the, the, you know, the gap between here and, and 2050? You, I, I want to delve a little bit more into your, your views on offsetting. But, you know, the, the pragmatic choices that you as a, a CEO are looking at, there's no good options there. There's the least worst options effectively available because, you know, there is no dominant fuel of zero carbon available yet. That's a, that's a you know, multi-trillion dollar investment uh, program away from the shipping industry. So how do you deal with balancing the existing demands of a very thin margin business today, uh, a massive capital investment requirement across an industry that has not traditionally been all that willing to stump up cash for such things, and uh, a moving target in terms of both your customers and the regulatory environment that you're working in, together with assets that building today you would anticipate running for the next 20 years, say – that is a a, a a jigsaw puzzle to um, uh, you know defeat the, uh, the 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 brightest minds of the world. What do you, as a single CEO within a, an albeit large company, do to try and manage that transition and so many moving pieces?
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a you know a difficult <laughs> difficult uh, trillion dollar question, as you say. Um, Look, I think we are, are are reasonably practical. We're trying to go, you know, step by step. Um, so, you know, we're looking carefully at LNG. Um, we would like to work with a customer who can also, you know, help um, uh, give some, you know, certainty to that in terms of period charter. Um, we're a we're, uh, I would say a traditional owner that you know that, that we want a lot of um, of coverage and and trying to get you know to contracts to to back this up, which is which is difficult. Although you know, I think there is more uh, more interest uh, developing from from customers who who want to look at the options. Um, but I think it's a it's an incremental step by step process because the you know as you as you pointed out the returns are are very low for shipping at the moment um, you know even for a, a traditional new building um, you know they don't make sense today so to throw on the extra uh, capex for for new technology um, in a sense makes makes less sense um, uh, so it's a difficult transition and and I think we need to see. You know a bit more clarity certainly on LNG uh, going forward before we can really make uh, uh, big investments into LNG. Um, there's still quite a few questions uh, around LNG, in particular around methane slip, which I'd love to, um, you know, to to really understand and 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 feel that the industry has a very clear view on on these issues um, before before big investments can make.
0: Do you? The the assumption being with that line of thinking that the industry as a whole is wherever possible going to be holding off on investments until some clarity is available or at least paying through the nose for some form of flexibility. Now, you mentioned offsetting as as one of those options, but I mean, in terms of pragmatic fleet renewal decisions, do you find yourself waiting to see what will happen as far as you can or is the industry essentially just going to have to carry on with the options it's got in front of it?
1: um I, I think we are you know I think there is a certain degree of waiting. I mean I think it's important to be cautious anyway just when we look at you know the overall overall fleet numbers and 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 how uh, as you as you pointed out earlier you know returns are, are pretty low in an, an ordinary environment and you know we're reaching a time where um you know China may be, maybe, Slowing down. I mean, it's still going great guns at the moment, but slowing down in terms of of its iron ore demand and and demand. So I think we, I think one to, needs to be cautious anyway. Um, but yeah, cert- certainly um, from a a new technology point of view, I don't think it's uh, it would be sensible to to go all in on on technology at the moment uh, until we have some more clarity. But I think it's uh, you know I do think there's a degree of of, of sort of testing. I mean, we're working. Um, on a on a concept ship ourselves, which is 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 um, you know using some of the more more traditional uh, means as I, as I mentioned, where we where we support the uh, efficient new ship using um, you know some wind and, and technology and and uh, even solar technology as well as backing it up with uh, potentially some carbon carbon capture on board the ship, uh, and in that way I think we could reduce you know maybe not to zero but we could dramatically. Reduce our our carbon footprint, you know, within what I would say is you know is reasonably proven technology, you know, today. And and mm-hmm. so when we look at new new a new ship, we're going to be looking, you know, at a, at a sort of new concept ship in this in this regard, which will which will you know hopefully test either ourselves or, or with a customer.
0: And in terms of that percentage reduction in carbon, uh. Emissions. What, what sort of what sort of level of reduction do you think you can get with that existing technology combination?
1: Well, I think we can do, um, you know, another uh,
0: twenty to
1: thirty um, wow, okay. percent on, on our on where we are. Once we once we um, once we progress further.
0: Um, just briefly to go back to the offsetting thing. Given that transitional issue, given. The fact that we do have options available, as you say, in terms of operational efficiencies, but we are going to have a gap between that and the, the full zero carbon. And given that, generally speaking, shipping is within the hard to abate category of industries, we know that it is going to be uh, an epoch shift in many ways. Uh, you know how we we move globalization around the world. Does offsetting not Really become a, a, an inevitability at that point. That we are going to have to bridge that gap somehow between um, our ability to reduce, but not to eliminate completely, and what is essentially a 20-year gap between where we need to be and where we are. Is you know, I guess I can only ask you to sort of comment on from from your perspective. But you know, as a as a member of one of those you know, coalitions aiming for this, do, should shipping be focusing more on offsetting than it currently is? Yeah,
1: I, I, I think it's a um, you know beholden to to each of us to reduce our our, our carbon footprint. So, um, you know, I, I think it would be helpful if there was a a level playing field. Um, and so we're also conscious about how legislation, um, you know, how legis- legislation works on this, and, and whether it's through a you know potentially a carbon tax or through through offsetting. Um, you know, I think. I think the industry will will go that way, um, but you know I think we're practical in that, that maybe it's more of an individual choice to to begin with. I mean I do think we're working now with with customers uh, across the field who are starting to to realize that we need to offset and they need to offset their businesses, and you know whether it's a a customer now demanding it, who's buying a Nike shoe and wants to see that his um, shoe has been offset, you know, in terms of the way it's been transported, you know, or you know, through to us with with, with our you know with our, our bulk commodities, um, you know, I, I, I hope customers will see the benefit of it as well and and eventually help help pay, pay towards the cost of it. Mm.
0: And do you I mean do you, do you see that as now? part of the solution, that that integration between the cargo interest and the ship owners being a much more powerful uh, and efficient way of dealing with this problem?
1: I, th- I think it's starting. I think we're very, um, you know, we, we, we're kind of really pleased with some of our customers who are really uh, starting to embrace this uh, and starting to push through, you know, push the agenda as well and that they want to improve, you know, improve the performance. I mean, we're also seeing this with you know, with safety and, and performance issues and 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 customers, you know, which we're working closely with, who can, uh, you know, and, and want to improve the safety of the industry, you know, of the industry and and the individual company. So, um, yeah, you know, I think the I think the agenda's been, uh, is raising you know raising up the up the list as it were.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've we've certainly seen it within the container sector where visible public facing brands are now having to account for everything from carbon emissions to, you know, the supply chain efficiency that they employ, probably less visible in the bulk sector. Um, You know, it's not, uh, it it is very much within the out of sight, out of mind category, I guess, in terms of cargo. But do you you find that you are getting those demands from uh, customers for that transparency in terms of how you're operating?
1: Um, I think it's probably starting. It's still early days. I think we're certainly trying to lead that process and provide the provide the information and tell people what we're what we're doing um but you know that's because i you know I also have a you know very strong interest in it i think it's the right thing to do and and we're we're wanting to help move it along um and uh you know ultimately by 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 2030 we need to have reduced our emissions dramatically and and you know we need to start somewhere so Um, whether it comes from a customer or whether it comes from individuals like, you know, myself, I think we need to be be pushing it forward.
0: Wonderful. James Marshall, Chief Executive of Burger Bulk, thank you very much for joining the Loisless podcast.
1: Thank you very much.